Dietrich Bonhoeffer once said, silence in the face of evil is itself evil. God will not hold us guiltless. Not to speak is to speak. Not to act is to act. Anti-Semitism is very much alive today, and that's what we'll be talking about on today's episode of the Amplify Israel podcast. Well, hello there, and thank you for joining us today on the Amplify Israel podcast. I'm your host on today's episode, Dr. Chris Fedorsik, and today we're going to be talking about anti-Semitism, and we're not going to dive too deep into a lot of what's happening today, as we're going to wrap back around to that in a later episode, but I want to lay the foundations on anti-Semitism, because here's the reality. Before we can ever address anything in life, we have to recognize that it exists. We have to understand what it is. And we have to accept the reality that it's real. So what is anti-Semitism? There are many people that have heard the word. They see it in school texts, but they don't really understand what it is. In its simplest form, anti-Semitism is the hatred of Jews as a people or of the Jew as a concept. Now, Pastor John Hagee describes it as the mechanism by which evil hatred dehumanizes and demonizes the Jewish people at every opportunity through all means possible. Now, the term itself, the term anti-Semitism, was first coined in the late 1870s, and subsequently it is used with reference to all types of Jew hatred, both historical and contemporary. Now, the word itself comes from the idea that Hebrew belongs to the Semitic language family, and thus Jews must be Semites. Many other languages also belong to the Semitic language family, languages such as Arabic or Amoric, and therefore these other cultures could also be called Semites. The reality is, though, there's no such thing as Semitism, and no other groups have ever been included in the hatred and prejudice denoted by anti-Semitism. The word itself is a great example of how during the late 19th century, Jew haters pretended that their hatred had its basis in scholarly and scientific ideas, which is just completely asinine. Now, this hatred of the Jews is not a modern phenomenon. It can be traced back to ancient times. Traditional anti-Semitism is based on religious discrimination against Jews by Christians. Let that sink in for a minute. Traditional anti-Semitism is based on religious discrimination against Jews by Christians. You see, Christian doctrine was ingrained with the idea that Jews were responsible for the death of Jesus. And because of this, they deserve to be punished. This is what's known as the deicide or the, the killing of God myth. Another concept that provoked Hatred of the Jews amongst Christians was the supersecessionism myth or replacement theology. We talked about that previously. And it claims that Christianity replaced Judaism due to the Jewish people's failure in their role as the chosen people of God. And because of this, they deserve punishment specifically by the Christian world. Over the centuries, various stereotypes about the Jews have developed. You know, individual Jews were not judged based on their personal achievements or their personal merits, but rather they were seen on the whole as 
being greedy, standoffish, lazy, money-grubbing. And at some points, Jews were even falsely accused of using the blood of Christian children as a part of the Passover holiday ritual. This is something that's known as the blood libel. Now, as we moved into the 19th century, we entered the world of the Enlightenment. Now, this was a philosophical movement that based its ideas on reason rather than traditional religious dogma, and it was accompanied by social, humanitarian, and political progress. However, anti-Semitism did not disappear during the Enlightenment. It simply morphed. At that time, the Jews were, in many countries, awarded equal rights throughout Europe, and many people expressed Jew hatred and actually questioned whether the Jews could ever truly be loyal to these newly emerging nation-states. People who didn't approve of the modernization and the political changes actually accused the Jews of concocting the changes. They believed that the Jews were behind all of this. They, They were running the show. Now, during the 1870s, the new political anti-Semitism that we see in Europe compounded with racial anti-Semitism. Now, this was based on the new ideas on evolution by Charles Darwin, who the reality was he himself never meant these ideas to leave the realm of science. But Jew haters began declaring that Jews were an inferior race on the evolutionary scale. Since their their problem in their eyes was physical, since it was genetic, it could never be changed despite assimilation. Included in this new form of anti-Semitism was the idea that Jews were responsible for the world's troubles simply because of their race and because of their genetic composition. They were responsible for the troubles of the world simply because they existed. In Germany, this type of thinking found expression in a political national movement called the Folkish Movement. Now, this group's representatives opposed the industrialization and secularism which accompanied this progress, this modernization, because they believed these concepts would destroy traditional German culture. They blamed the Jews for undermining the Germans' traditional way of life and stated that German Jews were not really a part of the German people. At the end of the 19th century, many anti-Semitic political parties sprung up in Germany, which were further rejuvenated after Germany's loss in World War I. Over in France, anti-Semitism was illuminated in the 1890s during the Dreyfus Affair, in which a Jewish army officer was falsely accused of treason by Jew haters. In Russia, throughout the reign of the Tsars, anti-Semitism became official government policy. Jewish movement was restricted to certain areas, and pogroms were encouraged by the ruling class. It was only after the Bolshevik Revolution in 1917, in which many Jews played important roles, were Jews in Russia granted equal rights. This gave anti-Semites throughout Europe another excuse to hate the Jews, because Jews were now associated with the hated Communist Party. Now, the Nazi Party, which was created in 1919 and rose to national power in Germany in 1933, was one of the first political movements that was fundamentally based on racist anti-Semitism. The Nazis discriminated against the Jews from the very beginning of their regime, initially by instituting racial laws separating Jews from the rest of society, and later by exterminating members of this, what they uh, viewed as the inferior race. 
In the countries that collaborated with or were occupied by the Nazis, the local manifestations of anti-Semitism, whether traditional, political, or racial, helped determine the Jews' fate. Even in the countries that opposed Hitler and the Nazis, anti-Semitism still existed to some degree, and some experts believe that those anti-Semitic attitudes inhibited those nations from doing more to rescue Jews from the clutches of the Nazis. Now, after World War II, when the West realized what had happened in Europe, anti-Semitism was greatly weakened. Many churches admitted their huge mistake in cultivating traditional Christian anti-Semitism. Pope John Paul II of the Catholic Church termed anti-Semitism a sin, and some governments no longer allowed the enactment of anti-Semitic policies. However, anti-Semitism was revitalized in the Soviet Union just a few years after the war's end, when Joseph Stalin became paranoid about his country's Jews, and he began to persecute them. In addition, over the years, anti-Semites, especially Muslims, who opposed the existence of the state of Israel, began camouflaging their Jew hatred in anti-Zionism. The United Nations even showed its approval of such anti-Semitic sentiment in 1975 when it passed a resolution stating that Zionism is racism. Now, this resolution was finally annulled in 1994, but Holocaust denial and, and neo-Nazism, these are other forms of anti-Semitism in the modern world, and they seek to absolve Nazism of its crimes or to glorify Nazism and Jew hatred as it existed in the past. In a January 2020 article in the Financial Times, they make note of a European Commission survey complete uh, that was completed in 2019 that discovered that 50% of Europeans consider anti-Semitism a problem in their country, including majorities in Sweden, France, Germany, the Netherlands, the UK, Italy, Belgium, and Austria. The worst examples of anti-Semitism were considered to be Holocaust denial, anti-Jewish material on the internet, graffiti, vandalism, and hostility, and threats to Jews in public places. This is still happening today. Here's the reality. As the last survivors of Auschwitz and other Nazi death camps pass away, there's an obvious risk that we'll find it harder to hold on to the feeling that our times have a direct connection to the error of the Nazi-led abominations. And unfortunately, we see the misuse of the internet and social media, including by politicians and activists who should know better, which has undermined the respect for objective truth and fact-based discussion, creating this swamp of intolerance, of ignorance, and anti-Semitism. It just These things breed there with misinformation. Today, anti-Semitism has become anti-Israelism. In much of the Middle East, Hitler and the Third Reich remain admired, and Mein Kampf and the forged protocols of the elders of Zion are still freely available. Cartoons still depict Jews in much the same way as the Nazis did, and the Holocaust is denied. There are many people out there that flat out deny the proof that is right in front of our eyes, and it's absolutely disgusting. There are now aspects of the liberal left that are also now embracing these ideas, demonstrating yet again that education or intellectual ability is no defense against this evil. On January 20th, 1942, 15 high-ranking Nazi officials met at a lakeside mansion in Wannsee. This is southwest of Berlin in Germany, and, and it's just this idyllic 
picturesque setting. It was here that they discussed the details of their so-called final solution of the Jewish question, or how European Jews were to be gathered and sent to death camps. Even though the decision to exterminate Jews had already been previously taken months before the meeting, the minutes of the Wansi Conference became a key document of the Holocaust, and the meeting itself a symbol of the genocide's cold-blooded planning. Keep in mind that these were all highly educated people. Some were doctors, theologians. Education, intellectual ability, is no defense against the evil of anti-Semitism. I want to remind you of this statement from Dietrich Bonhoeffer. He was a German pastor, a German theologian. This is one of my one of my favorite statements ever. He gave his life for the protection of the Jewish people during Hitler's regime, but he says this, Silence in the face of evil is itself evil. God will not hold us guiltless. Not to speak is to speak. Not to act is to act. Anti-Semitism is wrong. It is not a reflection of the heart of God for his chosen people. It needs to be addressed head on. But we need to begin to speak. We need to begin to act. We need to begin to educate. Because we can't address issues that we don't first recognize, that we don't first say, yes, this is what this is, and yes, this is what's happening. As we continue on with the podcast, we're going to continue, we're going to come back to anti-Semitism regularly. We're going to share what's going on in the world today. We're going to share ways that you can be a part of helping combat this. You can be a part of helping educate and equip and share. We need to understand that this is nothing new, and we need to understand that this has not gone away. God still has a plan for his chosen people. God still loves his chosen people. As the body of Christ, we need to stand up, we need to speak out, but we first need to get educated. And it starts with small steps, like listening to this podcast, sharing this podcast, doing your research, doing your due diligence. There's some great websites, some great ministries. I'm going to, I'll add the show links uh, to some of those ministries in the notes of this episode, but I want you to go check some of those out because there are some great resources out there to help you combat this issue of anti-Semitism. That's all we've got for today's episode. We look forward to being with you next week. Remember that if there's something you're curious about, maybe a specific question, I'd love to hear from you and get it in the queue. Be sure to follow us on MeWe, Facebook, and Instagram, all at Amplify Israel. Hit us up on there. Let us know. If you're enjoying the podcast, be sure to subscribe, rate, like, and share so we can get it in the hands of as many people as possible as we look at this very important nation and these very important people. Until next week, Todah God bless you.